0: Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion. lose That's a boss move, maneuver, billionaire, entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer. put you rookies on a skewer I say shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you're saying to me, I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony
1: Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Now's podcast, this is your host Will I'm unfortunately not joined here by my co-host Jaren today, just due to some unforeseen circumstances. But nonetheless, we'll go ahead and get in today's cover of the Mavericks' 113-105 to 105 loss versus the Washington Wizards. It was the Mavericks' third game within 92 hours, second night of a back-to-back, and it definitely showed in this one. Luka Doncic had... Arguably one of the worster games of his career in this one 22 points on um, eight of 21 field goal shooting, three for eight from three, five turnovers, three for eight from the free throw, three for nine from the free throw line. Just counting stats wise, it really doesn't sound too bad, but just in the manner that Luca played, you know, effort wise on both sides of the ball, he, he honestly like drained at points in this game. So we'll be getting into that, of course. We'll be getting into Spencer Dinwiddie's sort of revenge game versus these Wizards where he went 11, from, 11 of 17 from the field, 33 points for Spencer Dinwiddie in this game. He actually had a really impressive game, but outside of him, um, you know, obviously really no one else showed up to an extent. And the Mavericks got worked by a Bradley Bealess, a Chris Epps porzingis list. Washington Wizards team, Kyle Kuzma went off for 36 points in this game, a high since he's been on the Wizards, um, not a career high, but you know just in his Washington days, that's the most he's ever scored with the Wizards. So I mean, he had a really impressive outing in this one. Just he was making some heavily contested threes, or at times the Mavericks. You know, I, I didn't think the Mavericks schemed for him the best defensively, but. There were also some positions where you're just like, damn, Like, I would not expect Kyle Kuzma to be making those sort of shots in a game like this, Uh, and he did. Um, But, you know, nonetheless, the Mavericks should have been able to counteract that and still should have been able to win the game because the Wizards still had their best two players out. And the Mavericks, basically a fully healthy roster barring Christian Wood. I mean, you can just argue that the Mavericks' personnel – maybe not in terms of their depth, but their depth, but in terms of who they have on their roster is much better, and they, they should have pulled away at this game handily, but, um, you know, it, it, it was a trap game. You know, you give the Mavericks the benefit of the doubt in the sense of how many games they played recently, second out of back-to-back, third game in 92 hours, like I mentioned. But, I mean, it's comparable to the, the Orlando loss just in terms of how the Mavericks kind of just fizzled out. The gate played decent, but let the Wizards hang around until the Wizards just ran away with it in the second half. Um, I don't know really which loss is worse between the two, but nonetheless, the Mavericks are in a rough stretch right now, and Mass Twitter or Mass Twitter is heating up with hot takes right now. Um, so we're going to be getting into all of that today. But before we do that, here is an ad from our sponsor, Anchor. All right. So going off the top, I want to apologize if my voice is a little raspy this for this one. Um, I believe I'm coming down with like either a little cold or some seasonal allergies with this whole weather change thing. So that's kind of bugging me, but nonetheless, we're still going to have a good podcast. So no worries. So, you know, diving into it here, Mavericks come at the gate, actually shooting really well six for six, I believe on their first three threes or their first six threes, Dorian hit two, Reggie hit two, Spence hit two, I believe. Uh, Just kind of firing on all cylinders. You know, I tweeted that, you know, live and die by the three is fun when it works. Um, That's just sort of stylistically, you know, with the Mavericks, you know, lack of another ball handler. That's kind of what they have to go to at times, Uh, especially when Luka's having a bad game. Uh, Because, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie was really the, uh, you know, only sort of playmaking and shot creating. You're getting in this one when, Luca you know can't the bright broad side of a barn so that was encouraging to see at the start of the game and then you know from there on out um it just kind of seemed especially in those Luca minutes that we just started to get a lot of isolation ball from Luca and you could definite definitely see that he was hampered physically maybe not as much like conditioning or stamina wise more so just like physically, like, you know, he just kind of looked like he was falling hard out there. He was not as assertive in terms of his ability to draw contact. He wasn't finishing through contact as well. And, I mean, that that led to some ball insecurity as well. He had five turnovers in this one. And, you know, that's obviously, you know, goes to a, a bigger narrative of – you know, roster construction and roster personnel, do the Mavericks, you know, were, you know, them not finding a, another ball handler, you know, with that process not happening over the offseason, you know, is that the reason that, you know, every like 10 games or so, we may see Luca just fall completely out of sorts for two games uh, from the standpoint of the workload he's carrying? I mean, Dinwiddie's really the only guy on this roster he's the only other guy in this roster that can relieve any of those duties from Luca. And, you know, it's a, you know, regardless of how good you are and score 30 plus and however many games straight, but that's still a lot of pressure to uh, put on a guy. And, you know, Luca's hugely important to this team. He's an MVP candidate, but, you know, you can't expect him to just put up a godsend for your team every single night, if he's not getting any help. You know, I, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter say that his usage rate is sustainable. And, I mean, I, I I do think that there's some credence to the fact that from, like, a conditioning standpoint, like, yeah, he can handle it. He's came in and quite possibly some of the best shape of his life, um, having came into this offseason. By no means is he, like, you know, in, like, a LeBron-type shape or anything like that. But he's in really good shape. But at the end of the day, he's not – um, Going to be able to withstand just taking a constant beating, especially you know when teams key in on him as much as they do. If he doesn't have anybody else that can really relieve those ball handler duties outside of Dinwiddie, and I think that that's honestly a huge reason as to why Luca was you know severely hampered in both this game and the Orlando game. And you know at the end of the day, like he's got to play better. We can still be critical of him in these two games. But at the same time, realizing that this problem goes beyond him. This uh, this problem is an organizational failure. This is a roster personnel and construction failure. Uh, so I think that those are very compelling narratives to take just in terms of the whole Luca situation. I mean, you know, you just look at him like routine things that you could just see he was beat. Like there was a post up he had versus Monte Morris. who's like 6'2", six, 6'3", six, and just unable to convert. Luke even said as much in the post game um, to, you know, reporters, he was like, yeah, you know, I'm definitely kind of out of sorts physically looking to take a rest game here soon. It doesn't excuse my play, obviously. And, you know, Luca's going to say it doesn't excuse his play, um, you know, because of the professionalism that he upholds and what have you. But at the end of the day, obviously it's going to affect his play um, when he's having to, you know, expel so much effort on offense, you know, and for um, just to do it game in and game out, you know, eventually it's going to take a toll on him. And, you know, the fact that 22 nights or 22 points is a bad night for him, uh, that in itself is a blessing. So, you know, he's obviously the main reason the Mavericks lost this game because, you know, you're losing in the Luka minutes and he played 39 of them. I'm not an egregious, like egregiously bad uh, box. plus minus score in this one, but um, you know, he came in at negative six. You'd kind of expect that to be a little lower, but you know, individual game plus minus isn't a tell all anyways, but I mean, nonetheless, it just, it definitely felt like the Mavericks were losing in those non-Luka minutes without a doubt. I mean, there's no refuting that. Um, You look at these two guys, uh, Reggie Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith tonight. These were two guys that just, didn't look assertive enough on offense. I mean, there were, you know, large stretches. I think both of these guys were matched up on Rui Hachimura and Kyle Kuzma for different stretches of the game. Um, And they were kind of letting those guys get to their spots. I thought Kuzma and Hachimura did a great job of pushing the ball in transition. I think an under-talked-about theme from this game was the Wizards' pace. Um, they definitely kind of threw the Mavericks under a bus with that from the standpoint that they were playing faster. They were getting out in transition. The Mavericks are the slow space team in the NBA. So that they, they kind of threw them a haymaker there. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, I, I thought that, you know, once we got into the third and fourth quarter and they really started to be able to key in on Kuzma and the Mavericks showed him some traps and some doubles that, you know, he started to really just make difficult shots at this point at that point. But I mean, Dorian and Reggie uh, respectively, when they had to guard Rui and Kyle Kuzma, I mean, they were kind of just letting them get to their spots. Like, yes, they, you know, had good last-minute contests, you know, contests and what have you. But, you know, they weren't applying any pressure in terms of their perimeter defense. They were letting these guys get to their spots, letting them get to the rim a lot. And that hurt the Mavericks in this game. These are obviously probably the two best defenders on our team, but it's still okay to apply criticism in games that they don't uphold that to that defensive standard. And in this one, I – don't really feel like they did, and to go back to my point on offense, I mean they just didn't look af- assertive enough on offense. You know, a lot the Wizards perimeter defense is extremely lackluster in my opinion. They don't have like really any ball stoppers out there by any stretch of the imagination, and it kind of seemed like Dorian and Reggie kind of just looked incompetent at times, passing off a lot of open threes. You know, they hit those shots at the beginning of the game, and then you start shying away from everything for whatever reason. No, particularly Reggie, um, just looks extremely unconfident in terms of his ability to take shots right now. Dorian at least is um, doing a better job attacking off of closeouts, uh, driving and kicking. Uh, Reggie, man, I mean, you know, he's about as one-dimensional as it comes offensively in terms of, you know, he's really just going to give you shooting, but you know, he's not even doing that. And you know, we can always attribute it to his early season slumps. I mean, yeah, you know, I know he only shot four shots tonight, went two for four from three. But it's just you got to take more too, you know, just because you're having a bad stretch doesn't mean you stop shooting. And that was a big thing for him last year when he got going at the turn of the new year's. He started shooting more threes, and that definitely helped him and this Mavericks team um, drastically. Because once he started shooting more, I mean, if you shot 10 threes in a game, it's you know just four that's 40 percent right there. Um, and that's something we need out of Reggie, he has to be that offensive cog in terms of being the best catch-and-shoot player on this roster, especially with the amount of minutes he's playing. And he just hasn't been that uh, so far to start the season. Um, So that was unfortunate. Dwight Powell had a really good game. Um, I thought him and Spencer actually looked really good in the pick-and-roll together. I thought Spencer was getting a little more run in terms of his ball-handling duties in this one from the standpoint of how Luca was playing. I think that the Mavericks looked to Spencer – to uh, carry a little bit more of an offensive burden. And, I mean, he stepped up to the plate tonight. Him and Powell looked really good in the uh, pick and roll together. I mean, there was one play where Dwight Powell was baseline and Spencer looked him off and uh, darted the ball. And, like, a, almost almost like Luka Doncic kind of, you know, not even ball fake, but I guess I like, kind of, like, look off and then uh, pass. And then Powell was able to get the easy flush. And, uh, you know, these are some things we haven't seen from Spencer. You know, I thought his passing looked as good as it's been at any time since he's been a Maverick tonight. There have been, you know, he still can't throw a lob pass, of course, and he still has his occasional duds. But, I mean, he looked better. He looked a lot better as a playmaker, you know, particularly in this and the Orlando game versus, I think, a lot of the narratives coming out of those first few games of the year were, you know, and particularly, I guess, for, for me at least, where Spencer's only a shot creator. Um, he's only a um, guy who's able to, you know, get to the rim and create his own shot off the dribble, but he's never going to step into that playmaker void. And I don't really think he's, you know, the distinguished quote unquote secondary playmaker the Mavericks need, but by any means, but he definitely can relieve some of those duties. Um, and I mean, he started to really show it. And I mean, obviously he had a really good shooting game Went seven for 12 from three. Um, and, you know, he only had four two pointers, but all of them were seemingly like, like either contested or you know really good moves to get by his defender and get to the rack so um, I mean you just got the complete experience from him in this game especially facing his former team he puts up 33 um, but you know you hate to waste these Spencer games both in the Orlando and Washington game because it was all for naught because you know we already kind of dived into Lucas poor play you know I don't want to get too deep into the overarching narrative of roster construction from that but You know, because we talked about at the end of the Magic game, which was already depressing after last night's game. But, I mean, yeah, that's definitely how the starting five played. Um, You you go down to Maxi, one for six, oh, for five from three. Had some good defensive possessions, but nothing insane. He's a minus 22. That's terrible. Um, But, yeah, just another really, like, mundane game from him. He had a good game versus Orlando last game. I failed to mention on the last podcast, but he just, meant. I mean, I don't know. Max, he's, just, I know a lot of fans are tossing at the, they regret giving him the extension already. You know, I'm not as not inclined to go that far quite yet, but I mean, I don't know, man, he's, he's looked just kind of like he's lost a step. Like he's a little more, a lot more in in his shot. And I mean, he's a streaky player. So I still have my faith that he'll come around as I have faith with Reggie, even to an extent that he'll come around. But you know it is discouraging to see because the Mavericks do need his um his three point shooting to an extent. Tim Hardaway Jr. went five for twelve from the field, five for eleven from three. So those are basically the bulk of his shots. Um, there were times in this game where either a culmination of Josh Green, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Luka Doncic were serving Tim three pointers on a silver platter. I mean, just wide open looks, um, and Tim was. He went through stretches where he was shooting really good in this one. He made like two straight at one point, and then he couldn't hit a side of a barn, of course, at times. So, and he got the full experience in this game 16 points off the bench. He definitely helped. Um, but by no means did was he, you know, was he going to, you know, push this Mavericks team over the top and was not going to, you know, help them survive uh, that lackluster of a Luka game. Uh, JaVale got eight minutes in this game. He played a kind of, um, some end of sort of like JaVale played like some end of first quarter minutes, I believe, and some end of third quarter minutes. And I mean, his defense is horrendous. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, at one point he let Corey Kispert just get a straight line drive to the basket for an easy deuce spray or like right-handed layup off the left side. Um, You know, I, I tweeted this. I thought it was funny. I just like, DeVille really tries hard to overcompensate with his length on defense. You know, maybe his athleticism isn't once where it was. I'm not saying it's bad by any means, but maybe he isn't like of his younger days, like when he played in Washington, for instance. And that's really indicative of times when, you know, I, I think there's some times where he thinks he can block him when he's not. I mean, it's very reminiscent of DeAndre Jordan with the Mavericks. Uh, DeVille's got to move his feet point blank because uh, he's not going to just be able to swat everything. And he hasn't been doing so to start the year. And, The Mavericks, JaVale McGee signing, um, you know, the Mavericks, all they had was the taxpayer MLE. And um, it's looking worse and worse by the day. And I think fans are getting more distraught about that signing every day. I mean, just, you know, another like dud game from JaVale uh, where he was essentially just kind of a non-contributing zero um, in all facets of the game outside of, you know, him hitting some free throws, and I think he got like one easy dunk. Um, but you know, he's getting out hustled on the boards, which that's essentially his calling card—being like seven feet, two sixty. And you know, <clears throat> he—he's not defending the rim at all, which is what we brought him here to do. I mean, yes, a—you know—threat in the pick and roll with Luca, but I mean, even then, his hands have looked like not near as good as they've been, I feel like in years past, you know, that may just be me not having watched enough JaVale of old, but, you know, two turnovers for JaVale in this one in only eight minutes. Like, you know, he's kind of just bobbling things all over the place. I mean, he's just got to get better at the basics. The guys won three championships. Who says, who's to say they can't, I don't really know. I mean, but at the rate that he's playing right now, I mean, he'll see his way out of Dallas at some point, if he continues to play like this, cause this is just downright horrendous. Um, Frank Nilakini got a little bit of run this game, but nothing crazy. Um, he bricked a few threes, had one really good, uh, defensive possession where the French Prince clamped up. Um, but barring that, um, I, you know, it wasn't really a big Frank game. He was his first game of the year, of course, you know, after having came off of, um, that right ankle effusion. So at least he's getting some run. I mean, If he can hit a shot over Reggie right now, that would be a welcome sight, you know, but I'm not pining for more Frank minutes by any means. I just love a joke about him. Um, And then lastly, Josh Green, you know, continues his sort of stretch, um, not of dominance, but of him being just a huge net positive, in my opinion. Um, He didn't have the best statistical game by any means. He only took four shots. There's a lot of instances on offense where I think Josh Green should be more assertive and try to make something happen because he has the physical tools to do so, especially with his confidence he's been this year, but he's still holding back and that's understandable. I think it's just, he needs that mental green light from both himself and the coaches to, you know, really hone in and go after those shots. I think that will come with time. I'm not really as concerned about that, but you know, he played another game of really solid defense, Uh, got out in transition quite a bit. Um, He had, let's see, they didn't credit him, I believe, for any steals, which is stupid, but he definitely at least had, like, one steal and definitely forced a lot of tough shots in terms of um, having, he was having to guard up on Kuzma and Hachimura. Um, You know, these are guys that are almost four inches taller than him, but I thought he did a pretty good job nonetheless. um, You know, shot wasn't falling for him tonight, but you still see how he's impactful in a sort of way that, other Mavericks aren't, you know, his ability to be a hard screen setter at that wing position. A lot of the Mavericks wings, when they're setting off ball screens, kind of just lean into it, kind of BS it. But no, Josh, sets really good screens. His ability to run out and transition. I mean, there's just so many positives with this kid. Um, There's obviously the perspective of, oh, he should have played over Reggie. I mean, I kind of get that, but, you know, It's 10 games in and Jason Kidd hasn't made the switch yet. At this point, we just got to wait. We've talked at nauseam about the Mavericks making that switch. We think they should. It's either futile to discount that they should make that switch. But um, in terms of, you know, Josh playing more than Reggie, at least for the time being until Reggie proves that he can make more. I mean, we're not even saying that Josh has to start, but just to play a little bit more than Reggie. Uh, It just hasn't quite happened yet, unfortunately. Nonetheless, another pretty good Josh Green game. I mean, that that wraps it up for the Mavericks side in terms of how everybody everybody played. Um, You know, I guess some interesting talking points. I saw um, Bibbs on Twitter. He was talking about the Mavericks inability or Jason Kidd's inability rather to counteract his own defense, which is really funny. And I proposed using Josh Green in some of these scenarios just in terms of having, I think that he offers a sort of dynamism at that wing position that, really open up things and, you know, allow better spacing. Um, But the Mavericks definitely collapsed to an extent when Washington started playing zone. It was kind of just swinging around the perimeter, catch and shoot for threes. Also, Jason Kidd, he changed up Luka's rotation, brought him out a little earlier in the uh, third, so Luka come play the whole fourth, and, you know, it was all for naught. So, you know, more miles getting added there, which is very uh, unfortunate.
0: I mean, I kind of think that that just goes to show that this team – has trouble generating offense at times. You get so many of these just heavy ISO possessions with Luca and Dinwiddie. You know, just stylistically, you would like to have another ball handler out there. Um, I mean, in terms of the Mavericks play style, you obviously would prefer that they swing the ball around a little more, um, you know, have some more wings, try to attack off closeouts. Um, Just run some different actions. You know, like I said, Josh Green screening is intriguing. Using wings and guards to screen more. Using Luca off ball. But that's something that we really haven't seen throughout Jason Kidd's tenure as head coach of this team. And, I mean, it could be something that, you know, he's able to unlock or we start seeing going forward. But in the current state of the Mavericks, it's not really been something he's implemented throughout these last two years. I mean, I know that we always – kind of ripped on Rick Carlisle for him not involving enough actions with Luca and, uh, and Brunson at times or Luca and X ball and, or whoever. And the same goes for, I mean, I think the same criticism to an extent should be applied to Jason Kidd. But at the end of the day, this isn't a matter of Jason Kidd, you know, like I said, countless times, this is roster construction, roster personnel where the Mavericks are just completely and objectively failing. Um, I mean, goes back years in terms of this front office's inability since the Luka era to surround him with adequate talent, or at least to find stylistically a team that gels well enough together to really make some noise. And I mean, you can obviously argue the Western Conference Finals run last year to an extent was that team, and you know, the Mavericks just got ousted by a really good Warriors team. But I think if we look at that, you can you know, kind of quickly, quickly realize that to an extent that team did play beyond its means. They played a lot better than I think their personnel was. We had a lot of guys in the playoffs really step up and knock down threes at an extremely high clip. Um, I don't think Spencer Dinwiddie was what anybody expected it when he came to Dallas. You know, he's held that production, so I'm not going to hold that against them. But, you know, you lose a Jalen Brunson out of that scenario. And I, and I understand a lot of fans. I'm not trying to, you know, um, not glorify the Mavericks playoff run. I think it was very, you know, really impressive, and it was a ton of fun when the Mavericks played the Warriors last year. So by no means am I trying to shed a bad light upon the Mavericks playoff run last year. But you know, to an extent, you do have to realize that that Mavericks team was playing. You know, probably a little bit better personnel wise than they are. You just go across the league. And I mean, even these teams like the Wizards, the Magic, they have guys off their bench that you could argue would be starting on the Mavericks or that like us as fans are pining for in trades. I mean, you look at Daniel Gafford. This is a guy who had basically a, you know, he had a double double tonight, I believe. He finished with, let's see, Daniel Gafford finished with 14 points and seven rebounds. He didn't have a double-double, but, I mean, he was completely dominating Dwight Powell and JaVale McGee in those minutes that he played, you know, back to, you know, the Powell point. I thought Dwight Powell, you know, showed his defensive regression in this game. He did have a really good game in terms of, you know, working within the pick and roll, being active, hustling. He was doing all the things that you ask of Dwight Powell. There was nothing that I was, you know, getting mad at him in terms of, you know, the controllables. But there were obviously some, you could definitely tell he got off kilter defensively at times in this game, um, just due to, you know, his inability to move, like I guess have his hips move with his lateral um, foot speed, which is always kind of a funny thing when you're watching Dwight Powell. Um, But, you know, point blank, you know, Gafford came in and really dominated. you had some guys in Will Barton, who the Wizards acquired over the offseason, you know, making a trade with the Nuggets, him and Monte Morris. You know, Monte Morris had more of a rough game, but Will Barton, you know, it was four for 12, but he made three threes in this one. I thought he, you know, he's a good defender. He came in, played solid minutes for them. Rui Hachimura, you know, he showed his ability to run in transition, work within. Mid-range game, get to his spots. And I mean, I know him and Kuzma are really good players, don't get me wrong, but the Mavs made these guys look like Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen just from the standpoint that they let you know. I I there are certain players in this league that are not defendable that when Dorian and Reggie are matched up upon them, I'm not gonna shit on them. If Giannis goes off for 30 on Dorian, like you know, what are you gonna do? KD goes off for 30, but you know, when Kuzma goes off for 36. I get to an extent a lot of that's him making some of these obscure outlandish shots and he was having a really hot knot. And, but, you know, Rui also going off for 23 and those guys, defending those guys primarily within those minutes. Um, It's just discouraging from, like, you know, like I said, at the top of the pod, they just kind of didn't seem like they were applying the same intensity defensively as we usually see. You know, I, I expect that to change, but um, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, Denny Av- Avdia didn't even have a good game in this one. He went four for, four for 13, one for four from three. Um, had four assists, six rebounds, but I mean, overall, he was missing some chippies at times, and I mean, he didn't even you know particularly defend well, and because you know he I at points he had to guard Luca a lot in this game, um, and Luca was just missing things at the rim. I mean, the help defense was just affecting him at the rim you know when these bigs would switch over like a gafford or even anthony gill at times who is more of a wing but he still seemed to bear some effectiveness when he defended luca or had to come help in the post it just seemed like a physicality thing you know like i've reiterated luca distance wise in terms of his miles traveled and the amount he's running he he'll be okay like there's no negating i think that his that came out that he's 52nd in the league in terms of distance travel. I'm not really concerned about his stamina. He's came in the best, best shape of his life, but his stamina in tandem with the physical bearing that he's taking every game, that is something that concerns me. Cause that is a lot on the body. And you have to understand that with this guy's usage rate, it's not his usage rate. That is what I think has most people concerned. It's his usage rate. And in terms of, With that large of a usage rate, you got to look at what he's doing, obviously. He's, you know, diving headfirst at the rim, like damn near half the time. And he even said, like I said already in his post-game interviews, that, you know, he was tired. And you look at Luka's field goal percentage by quarter this season. He's the best first quarter scorer in the NBA last time I checked. I don't know if that's changed since then, but it goes down every quarter. And, you know, I get to an extent some of that's just Luca getting his legs under him, start of the season. Him, you know, kind of having that mental aspect of it to an extent where he's, you know, that he, I guess, just starts to wane throughout the game as he maybe Mm -hmm. thinks of it too much. He's a very, like, conscious basketball player. Um, I I think that's clearly evident through this for a few years here. But at the end of the day, we have to realize that, you know, that physical workload that he's taking on, um, you know, playing 40 minutes on damn near on a second out of a back to back, you know, and really just Dinwiddie, the only other person relieving any sort of pressure off of him, you know, in those minutes where Dinwiddie's off the floor, Luke is on, I'd be really, um, I'd be really um, in- intrigued to see the Mavs um, net rating in, in those minutes. That, that would actually intrigue me just to see, you know, and their, maybe their PER too. Uh, just Luca on didn't what he off minute. So I have to go to clean the glass or something because that, you know, I feel like could be very indicative of Luca, you know, just having to do too much um, from the standpoint. And when he's doing too much, I'm not saying it's like, just, it's as simplistic as, Oh, he has a high usage rate. Well, like, no, like he's very physical in terms of his play style. And, you know in terms of him doing that time in and time out every possession, like yes that is going to bear physical workload upon you so obviously um that was not too I was not too ecstatic to hear or just to kind of like see that in the court last night um just from the standpoint that you can tell that just 11 games into the season that's already getting up to him and you know obviously this is a bit of a dimmer podcast you know you could say I'm being more pessimistic about the Mavericks but I mean this is sort of just the nature of the team right now the Mavericks I think are can be a good basketball team in spurts I think they can be good teams I think they can also lose to bad teams I, I think they're very fair weather right now um, I don't think by any means are they one of the top five or six teams in the west I think they still have quite a bit of work to do but you know it's not to discount this Mavericks team as just being terrible i get we're 11 games in the Mavericks are 6 and 5 but they they will bear some positive aggression at some point this won't just be some perpetual state of misery that we're in as terrible as it is right now but you know with that being said will the Mavericks reach you know our projections for them get to that 6 6 maybe even fifth or fourth seed this year i mean that that's a big question mark and then when you start evaluating that, it's like, oh, is it even worth trying to get the 7th or 8th seed or a planned spot? And, I mean, that's going to be, I guess, the narrative as we go forward until the Mavericks really start to put themselves in the upper echelon. You know, it's too really early to project standings and all that. I think the Utah Jazz are a good basketball team. Um, despite their personnel coming into the season and everything, they've disproven a lot of people. And I think that they could still – Definitely be in the playoff mix, but I don't think they'll be the number one seed forever as much as I like them. I don't think they'll be the number one seed forever. And I think the Mavericks, um, you know, there's a lot of early season sort of fluctuation within the standings between these teams. And it'll be interesting to me to see how the Mavericks, you know, progress down the line. If we see that big January mid-season turnaround, I'll tell you as much that we can't count on it, that's not something that is just common every year for an nba team to just completely split, uh, flip script like the mavericks did last year and come in guns a blazing to start the new year in route to a 51 season after being under 500 so, you know i hope that happens but it's better to get ahead of things now so hopefully they can do that but i just i just want to to all the people who would say that you know oh the mavericks cuz in the non luke or in the Luca era We've seen, you know, the Mavericks will follow these stinkers up if they particularly play, like, one or two bad games in a row. You don't lose a ton of, like, consecutive, you know, game after games in a row. Like, you know, for instance, if the Mavericks, they play Portland on Saturday, they play the Clippers on Tuesday. I would not be surprised at all if they won both of those. That being said, though, it's still way too small of a sample size for us to sit here and be like, oh, the Mavericks won these last two games those two back games on on the um, back-to-back were just flukes. They didn't have Christian Wood. You know, let's completely disregard those games. This is a really good basketball team. Like, no, like, we have to take this team in terms of their performance. We have to look at the sum of all the parts. We can't just look at some of them. And I think it's – we have to evaluate the Mavericks holistically. If we're really, to be honest, in terms of our evaluation with this team, because if we're just going to win two games and be like, oh, we don't need to make any sort of roster personnel moves like we're completely fine. We're going to get shot in the face within a game or two and we have another bad loss. Uh, Besides that, it was a really, I don't know, just really terrible night not one that I was excited to podcast for, especially having to do solo. Um, but hopefully the Mavericks are able to bounce back against Portland. Oh, one last thing. I saw in Kyle Kuzma's post-game interview that he basically kind of denounced the Mavericks as being very limited, is what he basically said, beyond Luka. And I took two things from that, right? And he also talked about Christian Wood not playing, and how that was a big factor. Obviously, players and fans alike around the league view Christian Wood as a starting caliber player. I think we all do. You know, now you can argue upon role and fit, and all that sort of stuff, but I mean, what is Dwight Powell doing for you that Christian Wood is not defensively? Damn sure, Javale McGee is not doing what Christian Wood. Could do defensively at the moment, and I'm not even saying Christian Woods a all NBA defender by any means, or even. Or I w- I don't even know if I would label him a above average defender. I'd probably call him average at best. But the way JaVale McGee's playing right now, I mean, we're ten games in. This is when Jason Kiss supposed supposedly supposed to make his whole switcheroo in terms of changing up the dynamics of the lineup and. Finding whatever works, and I get that it can take time for these things and get 20, 25 games before you really kind of get a good rotation set in stone to go forward with. But I think the narrative is only going to compel, especially if he is only playing around 20 minutes a game, like Christian Wood should be playing more, especially if the Mavericks keep losing, especially if Christian Wood has more good games. He's been in a little rough as of recent, but I mean I have no reason to believe that he won't turn it around. So that'll be an interesting situation to monitor. Unfortunately, obviously, he missed these last two games after his injury the other night in Brooklyn. But I presume or hope that he will be back on this homestand when we play the Trailblazers and Clippers at some point. That would help us a lot. There's no discounting that. You know, Christian Wood obviously didn't play tonight, but this loss is inexcusable nonetheless, as was the Mavericks game. You're going against two Eastern Conference teams and that's not to underplay the east but these are definitely teams i'd say are relatively in the lower echelon at the eastern conference in the orlando magic's case basically without half their roster in the washington wizards case without their two best players maybe you can say kuzma's better than kp i don't really know you want to argue that i could see that but at least two of their top three players and the mavericks still dropped them there's, you know, you think they learned their lesson after playing down to their opponent countless times this season, but we'll see when they really take that step of doing versus just saying. Because you know, Luka Doncic had mentioned I think after the Orlando game that the discussion between these trap games, quote unquote, is that oh yeah, like we're gonna get after it. Let's come out with intensity tonight, guys. He basically told the media that in his presser. And then just the Mavericks end up being a shell themselves after the first quarter. They come out and have a strong first quarter in these games and and then just get ahead of everything. And I'm like, oh, no reason to play anymore. And that's got to change. That's not good. But, I mean, I just kind of wanted to, I guess, briefly go over that point with the Christian Wood thing and then also the fact that, It's just really embarrassing in general for, you know, you have a guy, Kuzma, Kevin Durant, you know, even if you're not calling Kuzma a star, obviously he's probably not. But, you know, these NBA figureheads saying the Mavericks are completely limited besides Luka. That is a, you know, that's a referendum upon Mark Cuban, Nico Harrison, the front office basically everything the Mavericks have done since they made this new regime change. And I mean, I could go at nauseum in terms of how critical I could be about all this, but you know, it's pointless. I'll save the rest for Twitter and you know, it is what it is. I hope the Mavericks come out and are able to correct themselves to an extent when we play the trailblazers on Saturday. Um, But nonetheless, I, Appreciate you guys listening to this far in the podcast. Subscribe on whatever podcast app you are listening on, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. We really appreciate y'all's support. Follow us on Twitter at mainstream underscore Mavs. And with that being said, we will catch you after the Trailblazers game.